Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's a Thursday edition of Wes and Walker. Thanks for joining us. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Are we going Friday, Junior? Which one do you want to roll with today, Wes? Um, Friday's baby. <laughs> Go with that one. Feels like that would be more so Saturday, Friday's baby. It feels oh, okay. like it might be Friday's parent. You know, maybe if I don't know. I'm trying to figure well, it out myself. Thursday's parent. Okay, we'll figure it out. We'll, we, we'll figure it you, out, man. You can help us out on the text line yeah. by texting us on the FanDuel text line, 704-570-9610, 704-570-9610. I already love the kind of text messages that we're getting. 704 writes in, Brandon Miller's chase down block last night, his efficient scoring, plus Michich, rope-a-dope drive to the basket was something to see last night. Thank you! Really enjoyed these last three games from the Charlotte Hornets as they have a winning streak officially. They beat the Atlanta Hawks last night, 122 to 99. Jack writes in, play in game coming soon. Three in a row, baby. All caps on Mm. the text line. Right before we get to the all-star break, I can't decide if I'm a little frustrated with the momentum that ends because of the all-star break or that we win three straight. You still get to regroup. And then we get to have this great feeling for another week. You got and the great momentum. Lose. Yeah, Hortus you got great lose. momentum. So I think I do fall more so on the ladder. Even if the momentum is stopped, I feel more so, okay, at least they can't lose this upcoming weekend because All-Star break is here and they're going to be up in Indianapolis. Brandon Miller, specifically, is a rising star because he is that literally being on the team and literally just because of what we've seen him do this entire season. He's been amazing. The new additions have been fantastic. I say we pull up to the scene and start talking about it. I think we should, too. Mr. Bus Driver, open up the doors. Let's get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! The Hornets are rolling right now. The first, a remarkable stat. The first double-digit victory that the Hornets have secured this season. The very first one. Wow. 50 games into the season, and it's the first time they've won by double digits. And it's not just 10. Oh, no. They won by over 20 against the Atlanta Hawks. And it almost felt like in the second half, Wes, despite seeing them come out of the locker room flat, lose countless third quarters, if they find a way to keep even in the third quarter, you know they're about to drop in the fourth. That's just how it's been the entire season. But not here. And in the second half, I almost felt like the Hornets were going. I almost had faith. It was weird. I almost felt like, wait, I don't expect despair. 
I don't expect to lose this one. And they find a way to get the job done. They've been excellent. Michic has been very good. Had this weird, I saw Rod Morrow, big shout to the Black Guy Who Tips podcast for tweeting this out. He said it was Michic Johnson, the way that he was able to drive to the basket on his layup last night. That was a lot of fun. Grant Williams, 10 rebounds off of the bench. Trey Mann has been a star. These guys love the new opportunity they've been given, Wes, and we love giving it to them here as Hornets fans. You have to, and I mean, just watching this team, and I mean, you see it looks like a completely different product. You turn on the game, they're up double digits. You keep checking and looking and watching the game, and they're just continuing to put it on these guys because you've been conditioned to think, oh, man, at some point the bottom's going to fall out and they're going to turn back into the Hornets and lose this basketball game. We know what a problem the Hawks have been for them in recent memory, but the new additions, like I said, making the most of their opportunities here, you got to love it. I know those guys are excited, especially a guy like Trey Mann, that a lot of people, you know, as I said, started his rookie season off averaging double digits after that digress. So this has to feel great for him. But again, it's just the guys that you've got coming in, vets that know how to play this game that are making the most of their opportunities right now. Uh, You see the shooting last night, shooting 49% from the field, 40% from three on 37 attempts. And not to mention the defense, holding the Hawks to 40% from the field and 24% from three. So you have to be loving what you're seeing right now from this team. They won the battle on the boards. And, again, assist-to-turnover ratio, you love seeing that, 27 to 12. When the Hornets are at their best, that's what you see from this team. So there's a lot to like uh, right now with the new-look Hornets. Love going to the text line and seeing all the excitement there. 704-570-9610, the FanDuel text line. 704 writes in, they have more energy, more stamina, and they're playing defense, defense, defense. Brian writes in, it's official. These Hornets are finally worth getting excited for. I think that is official at this point. AJ says, um, Trey Mann has been fantastic. Love seeing what Trey Mann is able to do. And the vets and Grant and Seth were huge in not letting us collapse in the third. Mitch really just hit us with a mic drop after being asleep at the wheel. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about Mitch Kupchak because he talked about this. It was reported quite heavily that Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall were the driving force behind these decisions. I always want to know exactly how involved were they? Were they just involved in Mitch Kupchak's aggression? Hey, Try to trade P.J. Washington. Do it and get it done. Try to trade Gordon Hayward. We'll see if you can trade Miles Bridges, but Miles Bridges, Rich Paul are vetoing any trade that was on the table. So get aggressive at the trade deadline and get the job done. Wink, wink. And I wonder if they were also seeking these specific players out too. That's the thing I'm trying to figure out. Because if Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall are in information gathering mode for a calendar year just to figure out the lay of the land, and then you also are getting advised from other smart basketball people out there in the association, maybe they're saying, hey, this Trey Mann kid, you can get him. He's not playing in Oklahoma City, but he's talented. Why don't you shoot to see if he can come back to Charlotte? Grant Williams? He's P.J. Light. He'll give you better shooting, more consistent shooting than P.J. He's going to be more physical. No, he's not nearly as good around the rim, and his rebounding is even worse, surprisingly. But he's P.J. Light. Go ahead and get him on the cheap and get a first-round pick in return. I just want to know if they were making those choices. But if Mitch Kupchak goes out in what was a roller coastery tenure, just not doing anything at the trade deadline previously, 
He hits on a lot of the drafts, but had one terrible one in 2021. And yet the walk-off for Mitch might be always liking Brandon Miller, hit, the trade deadline getting these guys, hit, at least before the All-Star break. Like I wonder... We can give the owners a lot of credit, too, and they're getting a lot of it. They're feeling the funk right now. Everybody loves it. Woo, yeah. Three-game winning streak. Go Hornets. We're ready. We're having fun. I just wonder how much credit Mitch Kupchak deserves, too, and that's the hard part I'm trying to evaluate. Yeah, I would more than likely, just being speculative, think that uh, speculative think that it was Mitch that knew the specific players. I mean, the owners, I know they are basketball guys. They could have some working knowledge of these guys. And I mean, I think that you're in an advantageous position if they knew about the potentials of one Trey Mann. If the owners are sitting there saying, hey, there's a guy in Oklahoma City, Mm -hmm. man. He's not playing much. Let's go ahead and bring that kid in, too, on this deal. But I think Mitch, you know, from scouting and workouts and all that stuff, he has a great working knowledge of a lot of these players, uh, especially the younger guys. Uh, that are that have been a part of the drafts that he was a part of as the Hornets GM. And so I'm going to give most of the credit to Mitch, I would think. Uh, I would not think the owners would be able to go down and grab some of these uh, role players like that and know exactly who they are and what they can bring to the table. So I'm going to give Mitch his flowers. And uh, whether I'm wrong or right, I'm going to go with Mitch as far as the guy who was uh, making the moves and pinpointing them. At least with the specifics. And it was always it, it always felt like Rich Cho was called out for being a yes man for Michael Jordan. Mitch Kupchak, he comes over. If MJ's not going to listen to Mitch, a part of the Carolina Blue Mafia that is extremely real, then he's not going to listen to anybody. And I don't necessarily think that it was always Mitch Kupchak that would just acquiesce to whatever Michael Jordan wanted to do. I'm sure that he did clap back a few times, but eventually what are you going to do? It's very David Tepper-like in this instance where if you're not going to listen to him, then he's either going to get rid of you or he's just going to carry out the decision himself. And then you can be a bystander. (laughs) I like that. I think think we had a microphone behind closed doors and we picked up that audio from Mitch Kupchak talking with Michael Jordan. Fiddy, what was that again when Michael Jordan says, hey, I want you to go and draft this guy. Mitch was fighting back saying this. I'll just back off. Yeah, just back off, MJ. (laughs) Back off. It's my team now. B Money writes in, Walker, you can do the Lockdown Hornets podcast without having to be inebriated. It's true, and it's a beautiful thing. I don't have to wake up and put Got happy things to talk about, happy thoughts. No more Baileys in my coffee. Just straight up <laughs> caffeine, no alcohol, and it's a beautiful thing. Rowdy writes in, how about Clifford's post-game pressers? He looks so relieved. Yeah, winning will help you do that. Having NBA players come off of the bench will help you do that. And here's the thing we really need to get to. Roscoe from Charlotte writes in, let's just keep it rolling. Let's ride that wave. B. Miller is going to be a superstar. Hashtag Buzz City. If this is the walk-off that Mitch Kupchak hits, that makes Jack write in that we need to hang Mitch's teal quarter-zip pullover up in the rafters for what he was able to do, and Brandon Miller was your sign-off, it's a pretty good one. Now, I just might put that pullover up in the rafters. Here's Grant Williams, who joined Mac and Bone yesterday, talking about Brandon Miller and discussing, hey, he looks like a couple of other stars in the league. I see a lot of Jason Tatum. I see a lot of Paul George. Uh, Brandon has a similar feel to both of those guys. And it's very exciting to watch because his talent is just, you know, developing. And he has a long way to go. He's just continue to work hard. We just going to keep him um, understanding that he can be one of the best in the league. And he has to continue to work to become that because Brandon definitely has a, has a lot of talent, especially at a young age. And he can develop into something great for this team. 
Sports-wise, Wes, is Brandon Miller the most exciting thing to happen to the city this year? Oh, yeah. No question about it. I mean, this is a guy that there was a lot of speculation. You First, you lose out on Wimby. Then there's a debate between Scoot and Brandon Miller. Not sure what you're going to get. We di- we dissect these guys down to every shred of their being uh, coming into this team and through the workouts and what can he do and what can he do. And all he's done is come in here and shown you that he's that guy. And I know when they picked him, I was, you know, on the fence. I was kind of 50-50, wait and see. But I liked a lot of what he could bring as far as the fit with the offense. And everything's translated as far as the shot and uh, the the three-point shooting and and the basketball acumen and everything we heard from the guys. But we knew when we talked to them preseason, when we went out there earlier. They always loved him. Yeah, and and it wasn't just hyperbole or guys just saying stuff just to sound good. You could tell in their body language how Terry Rozier's body language changed when we asked him about Brandon Miller and what he brought to the table. And so uh, everything they said about him has come true. I've said that he looks a lot like his idol, his GOAT, Paul George. I think those are great comparisons. And Jason Tatum, you already know how I feel about him. I was talking about him this morning, saying he's probably my favorite player in the league to watch. He's top two to three. So if you end up getting that out of this kid, especially as he starts to develop that body and gets that man body, watch out. Yeah, Brandon Miller has been sensational. The ceiling is higher than I anticipated by a decent margin. The fact that you're able to hit as many shots as you are from the outside and really just do all of your work from the mid-range and the three-point line. And I know people, I I had one text message come back a couple weeks ago when I talked about how Brandon Miller's still just not scoring at the rim. That's true. I'm not. It's fine. I'll take this. (laughs) I'll take Brandon Miller. Like, he's still in the 29th percentile compared to other wings in the NBA when finishing at the rim. So that'll come along. That's going to come along as he gets stronger and that will make him even more efficient. But the fact that he's not shooting all that well from the uh, from the rim, at the rim, excuse me, compared to the other wings in the NBA, and you're still as efficient as you are, it is a monster sign. Like the fact that this guy can do so many other things and that you expect to come along the way, it's ridiculous. And the leadership that he continues to show, I'm getting the wrap up sign from producer Fitty, but we can talk about it later on. The leadership qualities that he continues to show, I want to get to a little bit later on. That's how you know this franchise with Brandon Miller is in good hands. It's Wes and Walker. We're off and rolling. We're excited talking about the Charlotte Hornets, and we're also excited to talk to Steve Forbes, Wake Forest Demon Deacon basketball coach. Steve Forbes is going to join us next on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. We'll talk to Steve Forbes on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details.
folks, this is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Man, do I get excited, you know, when I hear that fight song. I, I need to ask you, though. Uh-huh. How much of the words do you know? None. <laughs> I, just I don't know any. You know, because and I'm not even going to I'm not going to hate on you and not take a <laughs> shot at myself because with Charlotte 49ers, like I know the song. I know uh-huh. the sway back and forth. I know the beat, but I don't know if I can tell you all the words either. And so I just wanted to know you might like hearing it. I do, too. Usually good things happen when yeah. you hear the song, but I don't know if I can sing along with it. Yeah, I mean, post game, you know, when we would win games, I would just, you know, we, we did a, it's a clap kind of pattern that goes <laughs> with it. And I would just kind of do that. And the yeah. only part I really knew was go Deeks. Y'all sing, y'all sing, I'll go out here and win right. win games. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> All right. Well, to help us to talk about what can keep that fight song playing during this basketball season, we have the guy who runs the show up in Winston-Salem. I'm talking about Wake Forest head basketball coach Steve Forbes joining the Wesson Walker Show on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Coach, how's it going for you? Well, it's going good now that I'm talking to you guys, and I, you know, you guys fired me up with that song. I just kind of go dun 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 dun. dun. I, don't, I don't know the word either. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I know, coach, um, but you're not gonna get as much flack as I do because I'm an alum, and so you know, it, it does reflect uh-huh. bad on me that I don't know the words. Well, that's just the job. Hey, you don't need to know the words, man. You just need to win games. That's about it. And I think everybody will be okay with you not knowing the words to the fight song. All right. Well, yeah, it's all about winning. And uh, <laughs> when I was when I was at A&M, we used to have to saw the horns off after every game and I always thought it was really strange that the fight song was about Texas. I mean, it's the most strange. I mean, the whole fight song is about beating Texas. We don't play Texas every game. Right. I mean, last time I checked. Yeah, man, coach, no doubt. So, when you look at this Wake Forest basketball team and where we sit today, fourth place in the conference, talk about uh your expectations preseason with this squad and where you feel like they sit uh today as we talk to you. Well, I had high expectations for this team coming into the into the season because I, you know, I was at practice every day and I knew what kind of players that we had. Obviously, you know, we went through some transition early with some injuries. We, you know, Marsh got a concussion, didn't play in Charleston. That didn't get, get eligible until Rutgers and, you know, Damari kind of came in here late too. So, you know, have, but I knew if we had the entire team, we'd have a chance to, to be really good. Um, you know, we're in fourth place. We've lost a couple road games where we had the lead that, you know, you like to get those back, but that's part of it. You just keep moving. And we got a lot of uh, important games ahead of us. And I think the most important thing to do is just worry about the next game in front of you and not try to look too far down the road. Yeah, Coach, you guys are 13-0 and at home, 2-6 and on the road. What's been the biggest difference you feel like when you guys leave out of the Joel and go on the road as to why getting wins has been a tough task? I don't think, I mean, I think it's pretty much all over the country. There's very few teams that have winning records on the road. I've had them in the past, but they're hard to do. I think that it's not so much leaving the Joel. It's just how you finish the game. And, and we have had a couple leads, you know, 10-point leads in the second half, probably on the road at Pitt, on the road at NC State, and just had some things happen to us that you can't do to win, to win games on the road. You can't give up offensive rebounds can't give up transition baskets, and most importantly, you can't foul. And I think we're giving up 25 free throws on the road and 13 at home, and that's a big difference. And so, um, you know, we did a good job with that um, at Georgia Tech about a week and a half ago, one there at Duke. Um, we got in foul trouble. You know, we, Efton was in foul trouble the whole night. Andrew was in foul trouble. You take those guys off the court, it's uh, 
it makes it tougher. We didn't shoot it great, but we had a chance. We were right there at the end, and we found a way. But we got to stay out of foul trouble, you know, to win on the road. Well, and Coach, it, uh, not to continue to talk about road woes, but you're right. It's not just Wake Forest or specifically no. teams in the ACC. It is all over the country. We just went over the stat after North Carolina lost. The top 10 teams against unranked opponents are like 500. I, I know it's always been hard to win on the road in college basketball. It seems harder now. How much has that changed because of the transfer portal, just the era we're in right now? Yeah. Like, why does it seem harder to you that all of college basketball as a whole is suffering to win on the road? Well, you know, I, I think that, number one, you, you probably are a, a bit right. You know, as far as the transfer portal give us, the transfer portal take us away a little bit. Maybe you don't have, you know, you're not as veteran as you have been as a team. Maybe you have older guys but they haven't played in those environments together. Like, for instance, my team. I mean, you know, Hunter didn't play a lot at Gonzaga. You know, Efton didn't play a lot at Gonzaga. You know, this is, you know, Boopy didn't play at all last year. And so this is kind of their first go-around of being in those really tough environments. There's just a certain way you got to play to win them. And you got to be mentally tough and physically tough. And, you know, one and I was watching Beheim talk about it on the network one night. Somebody, oh, Virginia Tech was up. 10 at Miami and then two bad possessions and it, it it's a six point game and then it's then they win. You just can't have back to back bad possessions. And we did it at Duke. Under, with the under eight timeout, John Coach Shire called timeout, we're down three. Right there. And then we come out, we turn it over twice. And then we foul, two points, we give up a basket, two points, it's now seven. You know, it's just there's a small small margin in those things. And you got to be on the right side of it by playing the right way. And, you know, I do think there's more of a home court advantage in basketball than there is in football. And um, it just, I think it's proven out. And so it, it's just, it's, I don't know, I don't think it's anything new, mm-hmm. but it might be a little bit more because of the portal. Wake Forest basketball coach Steve Forbes joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You talk about hitting the portal, uh, portal yourself. Steve, I, I need to know, like, I know you can't be giving away all your secrets, but I'm asking just for a taste, just a little info on how you go to the transfer portal and find yeah. guards that contend for ACC player of the year every year. Like you mentioned yourself, Salas wasn't even playing all that much. Now here he yeah. is in player of the year contention. When you hit the portal, what are you looking for specifically in players? Wow. I mean, I like guys that can score and, you know, like I say that you're probably laughing at me because Alonda scored four points, maybe six, and and I think that's what Hunter averaged. But the one thing that we have access to is a lot of film because of technology with Synergy, and I can watch everything that any kid's ever done all over the world playing. And so, I, you know, I think we do a good job of finding guys that, you know, we could see a little more in them than what they have seen in themselves or maybe where they were at. Sometimes as coaches, we're all guilty of painting, putting guys in boxes, right? And then it's hard to get out of that box. And so you got to kind of see outside the box they were put in in their situation. And you look at their athleticism and their skill and their, uh, and their ability to shoot the basketball. And I, I just – I knew Hunter's background from Omaha because I'm from Iowa. Um, and you don't unbecome a McDonald's All-American, okay? You just don't. You're really good if you're a McDonald's All-American. And I just knew he had it in his tank. And you just have to get it out of him. And, you know, and you get a feel for him when you meet him face-to-face who's real and who's not and I just felt like he was and so you know I don't know it's gotta be a little lucky too let's be honest I mean and also I think we also know 
we have a pretty good idea how to recruit to, the, to our style of play. And I just feel like we've done a good job of plugging guys into the way we like to play. Hey, Coach, talking about Salas in that tank, he leads the uh, the conference in minutes played per game. He's also third in scoring. Did you envision that type of role for him with a guy basically doesn't come off the court once you get him out there in that starting lineup? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you that I expected him to do that, but I've had that question for three years now with Alondis, Ty, and him. I don't put those kind of pressures on those kids when they come here. Now, do I think they're going to play well? Do I think they're going to average double figures? Yes, I do. And for two reasons. Number one, we're going to play them the minutes. One of the things about recruiting transfers, you can't lie to them. If you, if you paint a picture to them that you're going to play this and these are the minutes, and this, then you have to do it or it won't work. And, or you can't play them out of position. You can't tell them you're going to play them at a certain position. You play them somewhere else. And I think the other, you know, we've been true to our word. Um, you know, did I think he'd average 18? No. I thought he'd average double figures, whatever that number was. I don't know. But, uh, you know, the past has said that if you come here and you have the ball in your hands and you have high usage rate, then you're going to score that because those guys before him have proven that. And so, Coach, too, and when you're looking at this game, and I remember when you guys uh, had a loss not too long ago and you talked about how guys were playing uh, selfishly and not uh, yeah. playing within the offense, and you guys are 13th in the conference in assists per game. For this basketball team, is it as simple as them just coming out and sharing the basketball and playing enough defense and you guys feel like you have a shot uh, in any game that you play in? Yeah, I think it's an important number to look at. I don't think it's the number. The only number. I mean, we we have one of the top twenty most efficient offenses in the country, and we lead the league, or we're second in the league at least in scoring. Um, but I do think sometimes the drive is not for you, and that's something I've stressed with this group uh, over the last couple of weeks: is to to drive, kick, swing, playoff two. Now, sometimes the drive is for you, and you got to drive in there and score. But when you're drawing two or three defenders in there, it's time to kick it and move. And we got talented guys that could put the ball on the floor, and you have to be able to score at the rim. Against Duke, you know, we got to the rim. I mean, we were 10 for 13 in the second half at the rim, 16 for 24 for the game. We didn't make threes. You know, so it wasn't that. We did, we, we've shared it. We didn't make them. And so it's just one of those things. There's a fine line. It's a good question. Um, I, I think it's important. I don't think it's the end of the world. Depending, I think a lot of it is dependent on how we're guarded by the other team, by how many assists you're going to get or not get. Steve, Steve Forbes joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Coach, there's a lot going on in how conferences and teams are perceived based on yeah. net ranking, the ACC's yeah. reputation. It's not great right now based on the lack of love that they're getting. Why do you think – like is? Not that there's a legitimate reason for it, but why is it that the ACC isn't getting enough respect compared to other conferences, and how do we fix that? Well, I think the first thing you do is you go out and win, and you block out that noise as a, as a coach now, okay? I'm talking about it for me personally or my team. I, I, don't, I think that's more of a, a fan thing. I think the most damaging thing about the narrative is when you have people on a committee making decisions that maybe don't know much about basketball, then at the end of the day, they listen to something that one of these guys says. Now that's to me is a scary deal. I think what has happened is I don't think the league has changed at all. I think it's just how we're viewed. And for instance, when the RPI was in play, the last four years of the RPI, you know, we had 20, we had something like, uh, I don't remember. Oh, we had 31 bids in the last four years of the RPI. 
and we had 59 wins, 67 winning percentage, far and away more than anybody in college basketball. Okay? Big 12 had 27. Big 10 had 25. Remember that number. Now we go to the net. Now we're down to 24 bids. Four years later, 31. You know, we had all these bids. Now we're down to 24. Big 12 about the same, but the Big 10's up to 36. But they're last in winning percentage in the tournament. We're still number one. To me, it's just the lens that you look at the metric. I think the metric is flawed. I don't, I'm not. I think it's terrible. Um, it's not a good metric, but it's one we have to live with. And I think they just. I think when you create a narrative, all you do is look at numbers, and you don't watch basketball. I mean, there's no way possible these guys have these narratives to watch possibly every game in every league to know whose league is better. So I think if you want to be, if you want to predict, you know, those kind of things and have a narrative, then you're just going to do metrics and you should say that. And understand you don't really know anything about basketball. And that's my opinion. Well, and, and coach, it looks like, okay, so there's been this big discussion about a conference like the Big 12, where, okay, yeah. it fe- feels like they gamed the system. What they do they is did. they schedule the cupcake non conference slate. They don't lose. They get a bunch of teams in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times they'll get bounced early. Whereas an ACC yep. conference, they'll get to the tournament. And then it's not a cupcake non-conference. And then you see two teams like Duke, North Carolina, get to the final four. You know, you have so much more success. How do you try to balance that as you're looking to schedule? Okay, we want to get there, but also I want to be ready once we get there. Well, that's the inconsistency of the message. And it's a great example. The years that we were 13 and seven two years ago and 10 and one in non-league and didn't get in. And what I was told at the spring meetings, by somebody represents the NCAA. Well, we didn't have a tough enough non-conference game. Okay, but we went ten and one. All right, we beat L- we beat Northwestern, beat Oregon State, whatever. Now, two years later, I watch the Big Twelve cook the numbers. They don't beat any. There's a couple teams that do, but everybody else just blows teams out quad four, and that's that's the problem with the metric. It's not the score, it's not the margin, it's the efficiency. If you blow a team out and blow, you get your efficiencies up so high, your net's not going to come down. And what has happened in the Big 12 is everybody has a high net at the end of non-conference, and they start playing each other. They're not going to move a whole lot. And so I think it comes down to the message, and that's the inconsistency of the committee because each year they look at something different. Well, it was their non-conference. Well, it was their league. Well, it was their quad ones. Well, it was their combination of ones and twos. Well, he had a quad four loss. I mean, it's just all over the map, and that's the problem. And so what you do, in my opinion, is you just play. You know, you can't. You can't worry, oh, this is a quad one game, it's important. No, they're all important. Every damn one of them are important. And so that's how you got to attack it and just win and hope that it takes care of itself. Coach, last thing I got for you, you know, a lot has been talked about as far as the transfers you brought into Wake Forest thus far and the impacts that they have. And did your previous stops uh, at the schools that you coached at beforehand, we, we see coaches all over college sports now leaving head coaching positions and going to be coordinators or assistant coaches because of yeah. the, the current climate of the game. So did your previous stops kind of prepare you for this and how you're able to thrive uh, in this type of era of college sports with NIL and Portal and all that stuff? I, mean, I would imagine so. I mean, I, it'd be hard to say that, you know, I coached junior college for 11 years, so I had roster turnover every year, so I, that was something that wasn't foreign to me. But you got to remember, too, now, you know, I went and coached in Tennessee for all those years. But we probably had one or two, tra- not very many transfers, not uh, one, maybe two JUCO players, mostly all high school players. Back to junior college for a couple of years. I went to Wichita where we kind of had a mix. And then when I went to East Tennessee State, it was before the one-time transfer rule. I was redshirting people. 
I was bringing, you know, two or a couple transfers in a year and setting them out, uh, which I really liked because you can't play 13 guys anyway. You can't keep them all half. And so setting guys out and redshirting them were really good. But then the one, then right when I got to Wake, soon after the one-time transfer came in, it's either you adapt or you get run over. And so it's like I can understand guys that are my age or a little bit older that have decided that they don't want to do this anymore. I get it. But if you don't change, then you're going to not make it. And so we've been able to adapt. And it's hard at Wake Forest. You know this. This is a very high academic institution. So there's a lot of guys in the portal we just can't recruit because of the academic situation. here. So it makes it kind of even doubly harder because we have to be able to get them in school. They have to be able to get enough credits, and they have to want to go to school, go to class, and do their work. And we don't have a, online. We don't do that. And so, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not as easy as you think it is. But when you find the right people and they come here and they embrace it, they do really well. All right, Coach, final thing. I consider you a pretty smooth guy. You can take that however you want. That's how I feel about you. And because of that, I would like to get some Valentine's Day advice from you. Like we had our we had our playlist day yesterday. We also got some advice from listeners. We we got some great tips. But I feel like you would be a great guy to ask this for. So like whether it's a your favorite love song, whether it's candy, a nice treat. What kind of advice do you have for us people on Valentine's Day and what to do? I am the absolute worst person to ask. I hate to tell you this. Like, for years, and my wife, it kind of became a joke. She got used to it. I would forget it was Valentine's Day. I'd be in the office, and I'd pull out a piece of my stationery, right? Say, Tennessee, Wake Forest, Wichita State. And I'd write her, you know, some bunny loves you, or, hey, happy Valentine's Day on my stationery and take it home to her. Okay? <laughs> that, I would recommend that if okay. I were you. Um so I just got it so hard in the middle of the season, man. It's just I'm a, I'm I'm just terrible. I, I would say like last night, I, you know, I got her card, some candy, and some roses. That was good. But if full disclosure is, I had to ask my son to go get them. Oh no! All right, okay. yeah. Don't she won't listen today? I hope not, so she won't <laughs> hear that. But um, guys, you know, I'm the guy that took my wife on her honeymoon to a job interview for a graduate assistant job that I didn't get. Okay. So in Omaha, Nebraska. So my point is, I don't think I'm probably the right guy for you on this. And I apologize. Uh, so, so no, it's okay. We learned a lot. We learned not to write a love note on a stationery and not to bring your significant other to a job interview. You don't get that's good advice. <laughs> well, and I'll not, take that not, for the rest not, of my life. Not on a honeymoon. Okay. Okay. Like when you say Omaha and she probably thinks you said Oahu. No, I said Omaha. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nebraska, babe. Of, Nebraska. In the middle of America. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, she, God bless her soul. She's put up with a lot from me. And to be married for 35 years is a testament to her strength because being, being married to me is not a lot of fun. I can't imagine. And I, you know, I'm not looking in the mirror. Not, I mean, I overachieved recruiting her. That's, I should have told you I was going to get pretty good players. That's just recruiting. All right, Coach. Well, we appreciate the time. That was Wake Forest head basketball coach Steve Forbes on the Body Works Plus guest hotline telling you how to recruit uh, the significant other in your life on top of other great nuggets that he gave us. And you can follow him on X at Forbes Wake Hoops. Coach, we wish you the best, especially me, and we'll see you down the road. (laughs) I appreciate you guys having me. Hopefully, after listening to this, my wife won't put me in the portal. We won't tell her. We won't tell her. No doubt, Coach. We'll see you, man. All right. See you. 
All right, folks, when we come back, we'll maybe talk about a few of those uh, significant points from Coach Steve Forbes, and we're going to get into some Panthers draft talk on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Steve Forbes, Wake Forest men's basketball coach, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Make sure you go check that interview out on our website, WFNZ.com. Just click the Wes and Walker podcast tab. We'll also be tweeting that out from our station handle at WFNZ, our show handle at Wes and Walker, and individual handles, Wes Bryan underscore 72, HTB underscore Josh, yep. and at Walker Mail. Even... You know you're close with people when you know the underscores in their Twitter handles. I think that's true. Love somebody enough to know their underscores in their email addresses and their Twitter handles. <laughs> I love y'all, man. We appreciate that, man. We love you too, you know. And well, Steve, I do. I don't know about you know, Yeah, I don't know about Fiddy. But also, I love that Steve Forbes is talking about love a little bit. I and love. I like the idea of Steve Forbes being such a good recruiter that he was able to outkick his coverage by recruiting his significant other the way. Well, I mean, that's how you know you got a keeper. Yeah. You know, when when she's willing to go with you to Omaha on a <laughs> job interview for a grad assistant job. Right. That, not a head coaching no, job, an not an point. assistant coaching job, grad assistant. That means she is down yep. with the team yep. and she is going to ride no matter how rough it gets. That's like 50 Cent asking 21 questions. Are you going to be down with me in a bunch of different scenarios? That's right. She's saying yes to all of them. Checking it off. All, every, every single one. Are you down with me if I'm going to Omaha? <laughs> and I'm Girl. sure I'm sure he got it back tenfold with some of the trips that they've taken over the mm-hmm. years because he got that. He started getting that Skrilla. Yeah. I, now I'm all, all I'm thinking is of a 21 questions yeah. parody about Omaha, Nebraska yeah. in my head. And so I almost went freestyle there, but I decided, nope, I'm not doing it. It's Weston Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Uh, feel free to text us on the fan duel text line at 704-570-9610. We have some sound to play. Let's talk a little NFL draft. It started it felt like a little bit earlier this year than it has in previous seasons. And it started pretty early in previous seasons, too. I it, It's funny just to give a little peel back behind the curtain. Me and Fiddy were trying to figure out, man, when should we start talking draft? And it was like right after the season ended. You know, we still had NFL playoffs to go, but it's the easy content to go to. It's like maybe we wait a little bit, but we can't wait any longer. No, man. It's time to start talking it's draft. It's off season. You know, it's there's time. always content for days. Mac and Bone certainly started talking about it. They had a great guest on, Nick Bumgarner. Is it Baumgartner or Bumgartner? Because I grew up in... Is it Bum? Bum, Bumgartner. I grew up in Catawba County. I know a lot of Bumgartners. (laughs) A lot of them. 
None of them spell B-A-U-M, and so I didn't know if it was Baum or Bum. But we're going Bum here. Nick Bumgarner of the Athletic NFL Draft Coverage, he hopped on with Mac and Bone, and he did a mock draft, and yes, he actually included at least one pick in the second round, the Carolina Panthers pick, selecting at number 33. He has Lad McConkey there mm-hmm. at 33. <laughs> Wide receiver out of Georgia. It feels like Lad McConkey is going to be this year's Tank Dell for Wes Bryant. I would be with it. Nick is certainly with it if he has the Carolina Panthers selecting the wide receiver out of Georgia. And here he is talking about why casual fans, they might say they don't like him, but just go watch the film. The casual fans will get lost just looking at Lad McConkey because he's not a first guy off the bus, you know, player. (laughs) He was a three-star recruit. He was not one of Georgia's, like, stud recruits. However, you know, this guy is, you know, first of all, he has uh, agility and burst and speed that'll show up at the combine that'll surprised a lot of people with his testing numbers. Uh, that all shows up on his tape. Um, he's, a, he's a surprising athlete. I think he surprised even Georgia. He was able to get on the field right away there. But more than anything, uh, this is a guy who is, I think he's about as good a route runner as, you, as you'll as you find. And he's up there with the top guys uh, in the draft, in my opinion, as the full body route runner uh, that can get open in the slot, that can get open out wide. Uh, he was terrific at the senior bowl. You can't do anything with him one-on-one out there in space like that. Uh, and to me, he is he is probably the most quarterback-friendly uh, receiver in the draft. You getting hot and bothered? Well, I won't Panther. say all that, but yeah, I definitely think that he's a big Felt like it. Prospect. I think you should. I, <laughs> I saw it in your eyes. I, you know, I, I know your underscore handle, and I know exactly how you feel. And no, maybe you wouldn't be feeling that way because it's not your favorite team selecting right. him. It might be the Panthers. <laughs> but I know you think it would be a good pick there at 33, even though you've been more offensive line oriented at 33. Yeah, I mean, I think that if, you, if you've got a big-time offensive lineman that you feel like can be a key contributor and a starter – uh, I th- I still think that's the way that you go. But Lad McConkie, though, this is a guy that I like a lot because when you talk about offenses and being dynamic, that's what this Panthers team lacked in a major way. What was the number one complaint we had with a lot of the receivers? They don't get open. What does Lad McConkie do? He gets open. Okay, when you watch him, uh, and I was looking at him in the Senior Bowl practices, and he was voted the top receiver uh, at the Senior Bowl, but – you know, word to Beyonce, he puts the freakum dress on in one-on-ones, okay? Well, because he is out there just body-bagging cats. And it's not those receiver routes when they get in one-on-ones and they do six different moves that you would never have time to do inside of a regular play. No, he's setting you up, stacking the routes correctly. He he whips off of them in a in a jiffy, all right? I know I sound like I'm in the 1950s, but, uh, yeah, he, he, he breaks out of those routes quickly and he gets open. And that's what you need. You want guys that are going to be matchup advantages and Lad McConkie has all McConkie has all of the makings of a guy that can get down in that slot and just really give guys a hard way to go and for a guy like Bryce Young you consider two in the slot you can't get your hands on them tough to jam them for a guy like Bryce Young that depending on what happens with this offensive line could be looking for somebody open and in a hurry and this is a guy that certainly could come in and do it. And he also showed at Georgia that he could play on the outside, too. He's not just a slot. He can get out there and play on the outside as well. But I think that uh, if the Panthers did go with him with the 33rd pick, I think he would be an excellent selection. Numbers don't jump off the page at you as far as, a uh, you know, by season. You're not going to look at that and see a 1,500 down there, anything like that. And he only played in nine games last season. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. If the Panthers start rolling with yeah. two tight end sets, they also have Adam Thielen on the squad next year, and they have Lad McConkey on the squad. Bill Belichick 
will have to have security drag him out of Bank of America Stadium because of how badly he wants to coach this team. Yeah, he would. Two tight ends, Lad McConkey, Adam Thielen. That is a Bill Belichick go offense. Go sign T. Higgins. Go sign T. That would be great. That would be nice to have a number one wide receiver in free agency already established. We don't have to have the question. And then have a Lad McConkey who could possibly be that guy of the future. Just like That's the thing I'm interested in. What are the chances that that 33 overall pick could be your number one? Because it's a low bar to clear right now. Adam Thielen, no disrespect, I just don't want him to be the number one next year. And he was clearly that. Like I, He was that this year for Carolina. You want somebody that is actually stretching the defense a little bit more with their ability to get downfield. But also, you're right, just get open at the sticks. Like I, that's what I want from Ladd. And I think he can do that. Let's play one more soundbite before we move on. Here's more from Nick Bumgarner on if it's not Ladd McConkey, the best case scenario for Carolina would be for any of these second tier wide receivers to fall to number 33. Ladd, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he slips up in the first round. You know, I got a, I had O'Donnell Mitchell, the Texas receiver who's big and long and explosive. I think he'll be a first rounder too, but you never know. He could slip down there. Keon Coleman, same thing. Uh, those are the guys that could maybe fall. It would be a little bit surprising there if they did. Um, more realistically, though, uh, a guy like Troy Franklin from Oregon uh, who can play a couple different spots for you. Xavier Worthy, who's got no doubt speed uh, out there, uh, Texas receiver. I like Malachi Corley a lot. That might be a little high for him. Um, but there's a good handful in there uh, right at 33, and I think the best hope if you're Carolina is that one of those guys falls. Heard Corley's name. Steve Smith has Corley as the steal of the draft. You know, Steve Smith will drop a lot of these little clips of analysis and put them on Twitter. Loves what Corley can do. Even if the competition that he faced wasn't great, he still dominated that level of competition. And I even heard Nick Bumgarner talking a little more about some of the receivers that might fall to number 33. I'll get your take on this before we move on, Wes. Is there anybody that you think could also be in that area that you would take a chance on more than maybe one of these better offensive tackles that also could be available at 33, like an Adonai Mitchell, like a, a Keon Coleman, who I know you didn't love in the first. Do you like him a little better at 33? What are your thoughts on some of the other guys? Um. Oh, yeah, that, that's a tough one. Keon Coleman in the second round. I mean, I think there's value there. I, I don't think that it would the be separation the separation issue still exists, though. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it would be the worst, but I, you know, I don't see him coming in and being a dominant NFL player by any stretch of the imagination. So let me put my decisive hat on. Hell no. I don't. Oh, wow. That changed. That changed him. so much. Yeah, yeah. First, no, hell first no. I tried to consider it, but then I had to just go back to, to my thoughts on it. I'm just not a big believer uh, in Keon Coleman, but I mean, you know, definitely more research to be done, but you know, you like what you saw from Mitchell in the playoffs as far as what he brings to the table with that 6-4 frame, uh, you know, Leggett, they talked about him and, uh, you know, how he could be a prospect worth looking at as well, but uh, like I said, I, I'm a big fan of McConkie, even though I still think that if you have a starting level offensive lineman sitting there that you think can, can possibly turn into a Pro Bowl caliber player, I still think that's the move for you to go first. But because we'll have some questions answered because free agency will have already happened. We got a trailer. We got a college football video game trailer. Oh. It's coming back. Let's talk more about it. It's been a while since we've had that combo. Let's do it on the other side. Campus Carter, Wesson yeah. Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.